0: and click on the Building fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Well, good morning. We are continuing our series entitled True Identity. And what we're doing is looking through Paul's letter to the Ephesians of what our identity is. Those of us who have named Jesus as our Lord, we want to find out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? How does it affect us? How are we supposed to live? What are the things that belong to us? And so what I want to do is talk to you this morning about four things. I want to talk to you about excitement. I want to look at the similarities between pregame routines used in athletics and temple worship. That'll be fun. And I also want to talk to us about adoption and prayer. Okay, so those are the areas where we're going to touch on this morning. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 1. Last week, we talked about how God is for us. And right off the bat, Paul is making this declaration. And we read, and let's read verses uh, 1 and 2 right now. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verses 3 to 14 are one sentence in the Greek. It is just one long sentence. So I'm going to read through it. I'm going to try and do it quickly. I'm going to breathe while I do it, because you have to. But I want you to understand that Paul, unlike any of his other writings, is just going on and on and on here. He is excited about something, so much so that he does not want to pause or stop or break the context of what he's trying to present. And so let's read here verses 3 to 14. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heaven and places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? Amen. Okay? There is so much there. And we're going to go a little further as well. But first we have to understand why is Paul writing this Like this, why is he just barraging us with all this information? There is an excitement in him that just can't be contained, and these are some powerful truths that he's proclaiming. My daughter, when she was young, probably from oh maybe four to I don't know when it stopped, maybe ten years of age or so, she could talk. I mean. And talk. We would send her with some friends and she'd go and eat lunch with them and they'd come back and they would come out of the car and they'd be like, oh my gosh. They would just be like, I'm exhausted. She did not stop talking the whole time. And she literally wouldn't. She had this great little way of continuing her conversation. It would be, and you want to know what? She would say that. And so she would be saying, You want to know what? My brothers went out to the garage. You want to know what? They found a can of paint. You want to know what? They opened the can of paint. You want to know what? They painted the rug in the house. And you want to know what? My mom was screaming. My mom was really upset. And you want to know what? They were running and they were going crazy. And you want to know what? My dad finally came home. And you want to know what? He crawled in the fetal position and rocked himself back and forth. (laughs) She would just go on and on and on. And it would just be just kind of this. And you would just sit there and she'd just give information, information. Because our house, so much was happening that she had to share it with somebody because this is amazing stuff. You don't see this on TV. What happens in our home needs to be declared. And so she would share it to everyone. And it would be relentless. Her brothers, be quiet, shut up, you know, just stop it. But man, there was no stopping her. Why? She was excited about it. She wanted everyone to know what was going on. And you see, Paul here is very excited, wanting to proclaim these things. And there's so much that he says here. Verse three, he says, we're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We talked about that last week. Verse five, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Think about that. He set up, Jesus, so that you could be his child. That was his plan. That's what God wanted. Verse 9, he's making known to us the mystery of his will. Now, I love this idea of mystery because it doesn't mean what isn't known. What it means is learning ever what can be known. So it's not like, oh, these are things you'll never know. It's no, it's discovering. All that you can know, but it's unending discovery. Isn't that intriguing? That you can find out more about God today and tomorrow and forever. The mystery of his will. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. If we've been adopted, then we are a part of this family. Verse 13, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit sealed means it's done it's finished we belong to him and so these are powerful things that Paul is trying to communicate to us so that we understand what is happening and he does it in a way that is just one long sentence bam bam Bam. You want to know what? You want to know what? You want to know what? You've been sealed. You want to know what? The mysteries of God are in his will. You'll find out. You want to know what? He's given you all spiritual blessings. You want to know. And it just goes on and on and on because it is amazing. And it's meant to leave us breathless. It's meant to make us feel like my friends did in the front seat of the car with my daughter in the back seat, just like exhausted, but exhausted with the possibilities of all that God is proclaiming. He sees the potential in this group, this church in Ephesus. It's a port city. It's the gateway to Asia. And Paul sees that if they grab hold of the truth that belongs to them, then this message of who Jesus is and who we can be will spread throughout all of Asia. And so Paul is looking at them with great potential because of what can happen. I was thinking about rituals, pre-game rituals that people go through in sports And you've heard of them, the baseball players who don't change their socks if they win a game, right? And and so I I wanted to find one. And and here's a pre-game ritual. This is Laurent Blanc. He would kiss Fabian Barthas on the forehead before each game in the World Cup. Now, do you know who these people are, Adia? Yeah, see, some of you guys know. You guys play soccer. Others of us, Americans, right? We're like, who are those guys? Okay, But this one guy who was the, who's getting kissed on the head, he was well known during the tournament for letting his teammates, his teammate Laurent Blanc, kiss his shaved head before every game. This would happen before every game. And the whole idea is this is going to bring us good luck. Okay. And Barthes conceded only two goals in seven games and won a, a prestigious award as the best goalkeeper in the tournament. So I guess only two goals in seven games is pretty amazing, right? It's pretty good. It's also pretty boring if you're looking for a high-scoring game. But that's that. That's it, okay? And so this was their pre-game ritual. This is what they would do. The whole idea is we do this because it brings us this luck. It puts us in line with what we need to do to win. It kind of keeps us in the zone. And this happens in spiritual realms too. People who go to church oftentimes have this kind of ritual that they go through. And let's go back to the time where this is being written in Ephesus. We talked last week about the the goddess Diana who is prevalent in that culture. Who you would take your offerings to the temple. And so say you're a young woman and you find out you're pregnant. It's up to the goddess Diana if you're going to have a healthy baby or not. So what you do is you take your grain offering, you take your wine offering, you go to the temple because the temple is a sacred place. The temple is holy where you live is common. And you see a priest because a priest is educated in the holy things. A priest is educated to know what needs to be done so the goddess Diana will be pleased. They know how to say the right words, to do the right things at the right time because one slip up and she could get upset. And she gets upset, who knows what happens to your kid. By the way, we have two new babies that are part of our community. We have Milo Rose, Milo Rose, I'm sorry, Milo Rose, grandparents, Bill and Lola, and then we also have Corinne Turner and Michael Turner. They had their little girl, Violet, I believe it was, Violet. And so this is how our church grows by procreation. Okay. And so you have these people going to the temple which is holy, seeing a person who is holy to try and get the gods to do what you can't do for yourself. They would do this in offerings for their crops as well. How do do we get enough rain? That's out of our control. How do we get enough sun? We can't control those things. Well, the gods must control those things. What do the gods want? Well, let's give them some of our grain. Let's give them some kind of sacrifice to appease them, let them know, hey, we need you. We just want you to look on us with favor And so, this was the beginning of an idea of worship, and this was a ritual that people went through because they knew that they needed help from the gods, but they needed someone to help them. And so, they had the holy place, the temple, they had the holy people, the priests or priestesses that would do the work so that they could then accomplish the things that they were, were desiring to do. And so, you leave your house, go to the temple. You leave the common, the ordinary, the everyday space. You go to the holy, sacred, divine space. And they're separate. They're completely separate. You do this because your life is divided between these things. You have the holy, you have the sacred, you have the common, you have the ordinary. And so you live your ordinary life, but when you need help, you go to the holy, you go to the sacred, and that's over here. And so temples started to become prominent because people knew they needed some kind of connection with what they were incapable of, of, but they needed people to help them there. And it gave them the idea of this is where we can go to engage with the God who is beyond us. And we even have the the Hebrews having their temple. What was the temple? It was a place where they could encounter God. But what a strange thing. You have to go to this place to encounter God. And it's so interesting because there's a number of passages. One of them is in 1 Kings chapter 8, where it says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. So Solomon has this recognition that, you know, this incredible temple, this wonder of the world, you don't really live here. All it does is help us connect to you. The prophet Isaiah said, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? Really, are you going to make a place that's going to contain me? We even see Paul in Acts chapter 17 says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. So why build temples if God doesn't live there? You see, you construct a temple to give you an idea of holy, to help you see that there is the need for what you are unable to provide. Doing this, though, it puts you at risk because then pretty soon people start dividing the whole world with holy, sacred, common, ordinary. And this divide starts to limit where God can be found, and what God will do. It's only done here. I remember one time when I was working at a church that this guy came in and he started talking to me about some things that he needed, you know, in his life. He needed this job and he, he wanted this girl to marry him. And I'm like, okay, you know, the guy didn't come to our church. He just came to get my blessing on his life. And he goes, I'm going to put some money in the offering. And I go, okay, I just got to let you know that's not going to change God's mind about how he works in your life, you know. Sure, bring the money, but hey, just letting you know that that's this idea. If I do this, then God might do this. And this kind of division that's taking place in people's minds. And then you have Jesus. And Jesus in one of the accounts talks about at his death, that in the temple, the place that divided the holy, the sacred from the rest where humanity could enter was torn. Where the, the curtain was ripped open and so now access into the holiest place was available to man. But not only that, now God was available to all men. Because this divide of what is holy, sacred, and what is common and ordinary has now been extinguished and God has been let loose and now everything is holy. The whole earth is holy, 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 even as the prophet has said. And then the idea of like when Moses came and he came before that burning bush and he had to take his sandals off because the ground was holy. The ground was always holy. Moses just wasn't aware of it. You see, the earth is holy in all the fullness because God is there. We just might not be aware of it. And what a strange thing to take off your shoes because the ground is holy why is the dirt on your shoes different than the dirt that's on the ground next to your shoes what what's the meaning of that why do we have to take shoes off is is it you know something maybe that is separating us from being near god maybe what god wants is to remove anything between you and him And the reason you need to take off your shoes is because he wants you to be immersed in the holy. That he's inviting us into that depth of relationship. The temple is great. It helps us see and understand what is sacred. But it's a crime if we hold everything and make it need a temple To be sacred. And this is why the story of Jesus is so powerful. This is why this idea of gospel good news is really so progressive because it's taking this division, dichotomy of where God is and where our ordinary lives are, and it's making them one. And so now it's not just the priest who's holy. It can be the teacher. It can be the plumber. It can be the guy who changes your tires. It could be the taco maker. I've been blessed more by some taco makers than I have been by some pastors. You see, and now it doesn't need a special people in a special place To be sacred, now the sacred is running free and wild all around us and is attainable to every one of us. No wonder he's excited. No wonder he goes on and on and on because this is incredible and it changes everything. Some of us still have a mentality that the only way we can get God to hear us is if we say things the right way, if we do things in the right order, if we go to the right people because they're closer to God than we are and we don't realize that the ground we stand on is holy and all we have to do is take off our shoes and be there. that it's present and it's prevalent. Throughout these verses, Paul brings this idea of adoption to the whole community. He talks about it in verse 5, and he says in verses 11 and 14 and 18, the idea of an inheritance. In other words, what belongs to Jesus now belongs to you. The idea of adoption is an interesting thing. Where's the slide? I have a... <laughs> I was adopted. I know. I like to let that sink for a while. Everyone go. what? Yeah, my mom married someone and he adopted me. Um, I know. I wasn't like an orphan or something, although it did get me out of a ticket once and that was kind of cool. <laughs> but... <clears throat> One of the interesting things about adoption, you see, my natural born name, for lack of a better word, was Earl, E-A-R. That was my biological father's name. And so when I was born, can't imagine being an Earl, right? It's like I was born Samuel Joseph Earl. But when I was adopted, I got a whole new birth certificate. And it said Samuel joseph scotty that's not my birth certificate it's just a copy of one because i'm not sure where it was and it was late Um, but i think it's so interesting that they changed my history it's as if i was born scotty all along that i earl doesn't exist because I've been adopted, I've been made this, and they take it all the way back and they say, here's your birth certificate, you are now born Scotty. Like, well, wait a second, I was born, nope, not legally, now you are and always were Scotty. And what an amazing picture of us being adopted and now God says, no, you are always mine. But you don't understand what I went through. No, you see, in Jesus... I predestined you, and you were always mine. I've changed your birth certificate. You now belong to me. So whatever things you're thinking about, oh, I got to get this right before I get to God, understand you belong to him now, and he's done all that has to be done, and he's gone even back before you came to him and said, nope, you're mine, Period. The relationship is open. An inheritance belongs to you because you belong to me. It's a done deal. This is our inheritance. This is what we have. This is what belongs to us. Why? Because we earned it, because we we did things well, because I I learned how to, to, you know, really go through the scriptures, because I have great devotions, because I know all the books of the Bible in order and I sing them in a song that I learned and taught my kids, because I do all the right things. No, that has nothing to do with you being adopted. Jesus has everything to do with you being adopted. The curtain has been torn. The gate is open. And God has invaded the world. And you responded to that invasion. And he says, okay, you're mine. So that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you have access to the holy, the sacred. And the ground that you stand on right now Is holy because God has been unleashed. He's always been there, but now we see it clearly because of what Jesus has done. And so Paul is unloading this incredible information. And after he says all this thing, he kind of gives this prayer. And I think this prayer is real interesting. In verse 15, he says... For this reason, because of all these things that I've just talked about, for this reason I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. That's one of the ways you can pray is to say thank you. If you think, I don't know how to pray, you can say thanks. But then he goes on. In verse 17, he says that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, that sounds nice. That sounds like, oh, that's nice. But... If you were to come and say, Sam, I really, I really need a prayer. I just really, I'm struggling with these things. I'm going to lose my job. You know, my girlfriend just broke with me, up with me. My car is, you know, on empty and I have no money. And I, okay, let me say a prayer for you. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You might say, okay, thank you. But can, can you pray? I get the job. Can you pray my girlfriend stays with me can you pray that god fills my tank and by the way do you have five bucks you know can you pray this prayer seems so different than what we oftentimes think we need but paul seems to think that this is exactly what we need after being given all this information what is it that we need? We need to recognize that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. In other words, you need to be more aware of God. That's what you need to be. That's what you need above anything else is to just grow in this understanding that he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Isn't that beautiful? that you may know what is the hope which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, not to the saints, in the saints. And what is the immeasurable? How much is it? It's immeasurable, the greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on the right hand of heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What Paul wants you to know is the immeasurable greatness that is there for you, that is in you. He wants you to recognize the presence of God with you. But this isn't just, he wants you to know about it. He wants you to do an in-depth study. I want you to do a word search and find out how close God is to you. You see, that's not going to do it. Have you ever seen someone or been communicating with someone and it's over the phone? Or maybe it's a, a Skype call. You know, i would be times where I'm out of the country and I'm going to call my wife. I'm going to FaceTime her. And I've been gone for a week and I see her and it's like, oh, there she is. And it's like, ah, she's there, but she's not quite there. See, that's great to see her. And I love, I love technology, you know, but it doesn't substitute her. Because what I really want is a hug. I really want to embrace her. Sometimes with our kids, the same thing. You just want to get them and you just want to hold them. Or grandkids. Our grandkids are wonderful. They're just so squeezable. And you just want to get them and you just want to, like, oh, see, I don't want a picture, I want them. I want to hold them. And what Paul is saying is God wants to hold you and he wants you to hold him. He doesn't want you to have information. He wants you and you need him, that kind of relationship, because that is what has been opened up to us. That is what is available. You can now hug God. Do you want to? Do you realize that it's there, that he wants to get that close and that he can? Oh yeah, not physically, but in so, so many ways. You know, this this world is crazy, right? We've got police getting shot. We've got tragedies. We We've got clowns. You know, we've got... And I'm, and and then we have you know the Halloween thing, not just the election. We've got um, we've got so much. Thank you for getting that. <laughs> we've got so much craziness in this world around us, and we think the solution is going to be passing some law or getting someone to do this or the other thing, or, or providing aid for these things, but you've got to understand what is needed is the embrace of God in our lives because when you are going through cancer and you may not survive, what matters isn't all the things. What matters is how close God is and that I love him because he loves me here and he loves me now and he loves me in a way that is tangible, that affects the depth of my soul because is the reality of who he is and who I am now in Christ that even when I'm going through the deepest depths of sorrow and hurt that there is a God who is closer than a brother who stays there by me and the holiness of God starts to invade my mind and heal the hurt and invade my soul and bring comfort in those areas of pain and actually bring growth because the holiness is here the temple That they would go to is now within us. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How close is God to you? He is closer than you can imagine. The thing is, we don't realize the ground is holy and we're standing on it with our shoes on, waiting for God to show up. And He's saying, Take your shoes off. I'm here. Live like it's a reality. And let the power of who I am shape the way you think and the way you act and what you say and what you do because we keep wanting something great to happen. And I do this all the time. I'm guilty of this. Like, God, I pray that you would do something great among us. I pray that you would do something amazing in our community here at Genesis. And God is saying, I have already done something amazing. It is all around you. All you need to do is step into it. Don't wait for it. It's here. Now, waiting for you. To step into it. And that's why Paul is so excited. Because he knows this community, this small group of people, is going to change all of Asia once they get a hold of this. The same thing's true of us. We are going to change the inland empire. If we get hold of this, you will change your family. You will change your friends. You will change your work. You will change your neighborhood if you step into the reality that the sacred is now here and available because of Jesus. Let's be aware of it. Let's wake up to it. And let's live in the reality of it. Let's pray. God, forgive me for not having an awareness of you. Forgive me for wanting you to do something exceptional instead of recognizing that exceptional is happening all around me and you're waiting for me to step into it. Father, I pray that we are provoked through these words this morning, that we are pushed into the life you have for us, that we are able to have the eyes of our heart enlightened, that we would be filled with the wisdom that comes from you and the knowledge of you. God, I pray that we would be different, because of the holiness that we stand in. Because of the inheritance that is ours. Because our name is yours. Pray you move in our hearts, Lord. Make this reality evident to each of us, Lord. We offer ourselves to you even now in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance to the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? God bless you guys. Walk in the reality of what God has given to us. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com